Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. I may make a disclaimer like this every time I minister or preach because I've had some conversations this week that I've come to a new level of appreciation that sometimes revelation comes to us, but revelation may or may not be a part of the full picture or the wisdom of the whole. How many of you have ever kind of got, oh, I just believe God's really telling me something like this in this particular area, right? Well, one of the things that I learned early on, especially when I started coming to work for Christian International and also in the local church, is I found that Apostle Tom is a man of wisdom. How many of you know that he's a man of wisdom? Along with being a man of wisdom, he's also a man of authority. And so if he doesn't particularly feel in his spirit things are altogether working the best way that they need to, he's going to educate you on that. And I remember being next door working for Christian International, and all of a sudden one day Apostle Tom shows up in my office. And I'm not really going to go into all the detail, but I want to share with you one thing that is so valuable to me and very important as I begin to share some of my insight and revelation and I believe a key of wisdom about this particular scripture the Lord's given me. And that is that, that we're on a journey. How many of you feel like we're on a journey? And we're in a process. And I don't know about you, but they say that an expert... An ex is a has-been and a spurt's a drip under pressure. So I don't ever want to be an expert, but I do want to begin to understand and begin to see and to begin to hear. But I want you to understand that as we minister, sometimes we minister in part. So I'm so thankful that I can be up here as an elder and minister with the revelation God's given me because Apostle Tom and Jane then can give you the whole. <laughs> because I have a revelation that is just burning. How many of you have ever had something that the Holy Spirit's put on the inside of you and it's just burning strong? Amen? All right. Well, I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 18.3. And I want us to read Matthew 18.3. And I want to give you a little bit of a perspective. And I want to take you on a little bit of a journey, say journey, about the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you feel like that from your own personal perspective that you understand the kingdom of God? That maybe somehow you have a scriptural basis, you have ministries or preachings that have come to you about the kingdom of God, and it's a term we're using a whole lot of recent, and that is the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And one of the things I did is, and I'm still on a journey myself, of researching the scriptures and the things that talk about uh, the kingdom of God in God's word. Now, for those of you who got to come to my last mega weekend, some of the things I'm going to be sharing tonight are part and parcel of that, that mega weekend. But I want to go into a deeper level. Say deeper. deeper. How many of you want to go deeper in the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Well, one of the things I learned early on, like, like here at Christian International and working for Apostles Tom and Jane, is that there is sometimes a perspective that we lack and that that perspective has to be illumined to us. We have to begin to understand that perspective to kind of catch what it's all about. So in Matthew 
uh, 18.3, it says, And verily I say unto you, Except ye be what? Converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, for me, that was a very, very strong statement and something that I had to read over and over and over and over and over again because I'm not a child. I'm an adult, and I pretty much, I think, think like an adult. And there's a lot of perspective that I have gained over the years. How many of you have some wisdom? How many of you do things different than when you did when you were 20? And maybe different than you did when you were 30. Come on. <laughs> and now that I'm 62, I definitely do things a lot different than when I was 40. Hallelujah. But God reveals to us, little bit by little bit, His treasures and the keys of His kingdom. Say, keys of His kingdom. Now, as I'm uh, teaching on this, I want to also introduce a book that uh, it just so happens that I have a great desire, and also someday I believe the Lord will have me do some writing and things on heaven. But I read a lot of books about heaven, and I have a great interest about books on heaven. And I met with a couple that had come here to Christian International, and uh, they connected me to a person that lives on the mountain just above where um, Prophet Bob, uh, Bob Jones. Isn't that Bob, correct, Paul? Bob Jones? The, the prophet? Isn't that who it was that I mentioned a minute ago? Okay. And, and so they're at the top of the mountain, and her name is Anne Roundtree. And her and her husband, he graduated from Yale, and then they were pastors for almost 25, 30, 40 years, and they now live at the top of this mountain. And this book is about Heaven Awaits the Bride. And Anna is their writing name because it's him and her together and they call it Anna Roundtree. And they sent me a copy of this book because of the connection that I knew this, these people that know her. And she sent it to me and she has some interesting revelation with regard to heaven. How many of you are curious about heaven? How many of you have ever wondered what heaven's like? Are you wondering so much that you want to go there? No. No. <laughs> Eventually we want to go there. We do not want to go to the other place. <laughs> and yes, we do believe in the other place. But we do also believe in heaven and that heaven is a wonderful place. But I want to share with you about the kingdom of God and I want you to understand or begin to get an, gain an understanding about the kingdom because the kingdom is now. Say the kingdom is now. And if the kingdom is now, what is the kingdom? Well, we have seven mountains, or used to, up on the wall here. And we've taught on that, and there's been a lot of perspective about the seven mountains that, that we have within our society. But I happen to believe that perhaps there's another one that has to do maybe with the kingdom or with heaven, and that that's the mountain or that's the area that probably matters the most. How many of you ever have a reflective moment saying, am I really, really living my life towards heaven's viewpoint? Am I really living like a sojourner? Have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Okay, those of you who've read Pilgrim's Progress, you know it's a really wonderful book. How many of you have ever read C.S. Lewis's book on the problem of pain? Okay, that's a good book. It's an excellent understanding about pain. But again, as we go on this journey, say journey, we're gaining an understanding about all of these things that God is revealing in this hour. So let's go back to this scripture. 
and I want to talk to you about being converted. How many of you understand the term converted? That in this scripture it says that unless you be converted, does it mean change your mindset? Does it mean somehow getting a different viewpoint? Does it possibly mean maybe even changing your lifestyle? Or maybe even taking on something new that you didn't have before? How many of you have ever taken on something new in your 30s or 40s? Come on, come on. <laughs> I know that uh, diet is the, is the ugly word, and we all call it the die-to-it diet, right, Shelley? And we're all dieting permanently, right? Because we lose it and then we find it. <laughs> Don't know how that happens, but it does. Here's what God wants to reveal within the midst of our lives. That there is a transaction that has to happen within the midst of us that shifts us from our mindset, our current mindset, and converts us changes us to a completely different way of looking at things and the nature of how this particular scripture wants us to understand it is it says except you be converted and you become does it say you do become no it says and, and except you become meaning you take on this mindset of little children now I have a whole lot of background in my area, my field understanding little children. Now, you may not think that. I'm six foot two, and I won't tell you how much I weigh. But back then, when I was working with children, I have a degree in psychology, as you might wonder or think. But I'm not a psychologist. I'm a prophet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And along with that, I have a degree in special education. And those of you who might have wondered about special education. You might have thought special education teachers were the dumber teachers, but the truth is, no, you have to be quite able and gifted in order to be a special education teacher because in my particular area, I'm certified for grades K through 12 to teach all subjects at all academic levels and to do remediation, which means to do criteria and reference tests and to find out your strengths and weaknesses and then write goals and objectives to remediate that particular child so that they will grow in their understanding or in their learning. Now you're saying, now I understand what he's doing. He's treating us like special education kids. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> and even though dumber, dumb and dumber too is coming out, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not talking about that. But it does say here, except you be converted, converted, which is more radical than think like or view like or understand like. Converted means you've got to permanently change and everything that was one way now becomes another way. And according to this scripture, you've got to be converted like a little child. Now, when I began to do some research as well as working and teaching with the class, we came with all kinds of adjectives and things that would describe little children. And one of the things that was interesting to me is I have a whole full page of all these adjectives that help explain children and their viewpoint and how they approach life. One of our interesting experiences when he first came to Christian International is that my wife tells this story, and I remember it. We came to Christian International, but we didn't know, I don't think, that, that next door was where the church was. So we were discovering the whole area. And back then, I think everything was just dirt roads. 
And so we were driving down the dirt roads, and Crystal was probably about this high. And Crystal was the watcher of everyone. My wife says she remembers Crystal being outside, like watching all the kids and watching us and kind of observing, who are you and why are you here and why are you driving on our dirt roads kind of thing. So when we first came and we uh, moved to Christian International, it was a little bit different experience because we're from Austin, Texas, and Austin's a big enough capital city that it's metropolitan and it's not as large as Dallas or Houston, but it has a greater impact than Dallas or Houston because a lot of the governors have, as you know, have been politically involved, uh, I think a couple of them, at least as presidents. And so the bottom line to it is we had this mindset of we're going to Christian International and this is what where it's going to be and this is what we're going to do. But the truth was we didn't know where the office buildings were and we didn't know where the church was. And then we entered into the church building and those of you who are a part of the blue church building next door, you remember I think the ceilings were only maybe eight feet or something like that. In our first service there were people... Was it? I'm sure that's true. And people were waving flags, and we were going, "Oh my gosh, are they going <laughs> to? Are they going to knock all the tiles out of the ceiling?" Or you know. So our experience here was a unique experience, but it was a good experience. We just didn't know quite altogether what the prophetic was. Although I had been prophetic because of the gifting God had put on the inside of me and I had strong visions and sensing and things like that, but I had absolutely no training at all in the area of the prophetic. Now, here's the thing that began to help me adjust, say adjust or convert. I came from charismatic into the apostolic and prophetic. So I'm listening to the messages on Friday evening. I'm listening to Bishop Hammond speak uh, at the conferences and sometimes at the church and Apostles Tom and Jane. And their messages were very powerful and very wonderful. But how many of you remember some of the war-type songs we sang back then on Roar, Line of Judah, Roar, and Rise, O Mighty Man of War? Well, we were not familiar or used to this thing of the lion roaring. You know, like... like a real lion roaring. And so when we tried to wrap our mind and our spirit around roaring and the purpose of why the body of Christ would roar and all of those kinds of things, how many of you know we had a learning curve? And it wasn't that we were critical. It was just how do we understand this and how do we become this? And so how does apostolic and prophetic come inside of our life? Well, at one point... Because of the process that we were going through, I don't know if it was because I had complained, and I don't know if word had gotten back that I had complained or there was a particular problem, but like I said, I'll go back to Apostle Tom showing up in my office one day. And here was the whole issue. I had gotten frustrated one day, and I don't, let let me explain it. I was working for Christian International, and one of the days that I was in there, and I didn't realize because everybody was kind of on top of one another. We all, my office was fairly large, but there was others that were like a closet, and you're all right next to one another, and they're thin enough so that if you say something, probably others heard it. And one of the things I said one day, how many of you ever have a bad day, you wake up, and it's just kind of a little bit difficult? So I'm kind of saying to myself while I'm sitting on the computer, Lord, here you are. You put me back in this situation, and I did this almost 20 years ago. What did I miss then? Well, 
Apostle Tom came in and helped me. Now let me explain to you how he helped me. It wasn't, it wasn't at all, I didn't receive any of it as corrective, but he began to do his Pastor Tom thing. He helped me to understand the wisdom of the bigger perspective and to understand that even though maybe I'm 38 years of age and we've moved here and I had an expectation of doing something maybe different than what I was doing, I don't know what it was, but I had something different than sitting down at a computer doing uh, education files in the, in the off-campus school of theology and I had done those kinds of things for a long time that's probably why God put me there because I'd been well trained and understood computers and systems and stuff like that but the bottom line to it was how many of you do something but your heart doesn't match up with it okay and things are not you know you're trying to wrap your brain around it and you're trying to get happy about it and you're trying to connect and so Apostle Tom gave me the beginning of several times where he has shared his heart with wisdom about God's big eternal perspective. And so he began to share some of the apostolic viewpoint of CI and what CI was all about and where they had come from and that to some degree, even though I might have wondered the size of the offices and us walk, working all so closely together, he was saying it was a whole lot better than when they first came. And don't you understand that when we came here, you know, so he's telling me all these stories and and I can also remember, and I sh maybe shouldn't re necessarily repeat this one, but I remember him telling this story about Apostle Leon one time getting frustrated with him and he picked up a hammer and chased him around the... <laughs> <laughs> the yard next door. <laughs> so I began to learn perspective, right? <laughs> and part of that perspective, and I think all of us have to learn this, that if you murmur and complain, you're not going to enter in. And it is the truth. And what is of value to you one day, unless it remains of value to you, you're going to compromise that value. And when you first get married, we talked about that in the class a minute ago, that sometimes you have to learn to relove each other. Well, they've actually proven in the area of counseling and psychology that couples have to learn to relove each other every seven years. That's a fact. Reality, truth. And one way or another, you have to learn to relove each other. Every seven years. <laughs> Along with that... <laughs> Now, don't you appreciate his wisdom? <laughs> yes, there you go. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> they say that every cell in your body changes except the cells in your brain. Scientifically, they say that. So part of what happens is a continual change whether you know you're changing or not. And a continual forward process, right? and a continual transformation. So when this scripture is talking about be converted, it's call, talking about a come to meet in Jesus time. It's talking about coming face to face with how you've viewed things and that unless you start seeing them and viewing them differently, you're not going to enter the kingdom. Now, here's what we have to begin to start talking about, and I think there's a lot of preaching and teaching on this subject that's coming forth, but here's the truth. Can you be a Christian and not be in the kingdom? 
I don't have the answer. Apostles Tom and Jane, do you? (laughs) I think from the things I see, I wouldn't want to teach that you could. But at the same time, there's a part of me that says, well, maybe there are people that don't get fully converted and they kind of stay where they are and they don't get the benefits of the kingdom and they don't get the release of heaven from heaven to earth. And it's only because they're not willing to make that radical change. And y'all remember reading the scripture where it talks about the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold? Okay, so there's some people that are into it partway. There's other people that are into it middle way. And then there's other people that are full full bore. And they are just really into it full, you know, hook, line, and sinker, right? All right, so this particular scripture is talking about those who are willing to go 100%. Can you convert without converting everything? Okay, so in this church, I don't know what kind of electricity we have in here. I guess it's, oh, I don't know. That's beyond me. So I understand 110 and 220. Okay, it's 110. All right. So if you plug a 110 and a 220 outlet, what happens? All kinds of problems, all right? And if you put like a 220 into 110, I don't know if it does that same thing, but I know 110, huh? Nothing much. Thank you, Paul. So part of what we have to begin to examine here is how we need to be converted. Now, how many of you, how many years ago was it that you were a little child? Come on. At least a couple of years. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about people six years and under to birth. Now, one of the things we've observed or or been observing, Matt and Brittany were here somewhere, and Isabella was here somewhere, and of course, she's three months now, and oh, we're just loving Isabella, and of course, every great-grandparent is going to really think their great-grandchildren are the best, and I'm sorry, uh, Brother uh, Glipisahagun from Hawaii, you might have wonderful grandchildren, but I have better great-grandchildren, and you should meet them, and uh, (laughs) that's kind of how we come. Of think how that goes and floats, right? But in this process of learning to be converted, let's look at it this way. Uh, how many of you are from the north and, and uh, been raised there most of your life, maybe? Ohio or Detroit or Chicago or some of the New York or some of those places? Don't y'all eat a little bit different up there than we do down here up north? Come on, it's meat and potatoes and corn and maybe a few vegetables. Uh, and beans. But see, down south, it's rolls and more rolls and more rolls and more rolls and potatoes and rolls and potatoes and chicken fried steak with gravy and more rolls and more rolls and more rolls and and potatoes, right? (laughs) Well, I grew up in a family that was northern. My father was from New York and my mother was from Ohio. And my mother was the kind of cook that cooked according to proportion. Now, doesn't that sound wonderful? I was raised by a chiropractor and taught how to eat nutritiously and healthily and got married and did the exact opposite. So I married into a southern family, and LaRue's mama would have chicken fried steak, fried chicken, and grilled steak along with about three or four homemade vegetables along with uh, two or three kinds of potatoes and maybe three pies and two cakes every Sunday. 
And so she expected this new son-in-law, who at that time weighed 157 pounds, can you believe it or not, and, and I'm eating at her table, and if you didn't eat seconds, then you were insulting her. So I had to eat what she gave me on a big plate, plus sugared tea that you could stand a spoon up in that I had never had in my life. And so it tasted pretty good, and I thought, this is pretty wonderful, so I'll have a second plate. Well, once you have the second plate, then they're looking to you to have a third one, okay? So when we got married, I gained 30 pounds in three months, or two months, I think. So I went from, you know, really thin to gaining weight and maybe kind of being a little bit maybe normal or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, how many of you know I converted to a style of eating that maybe wasn't the best for me? Not because my mother-in-law was a bad cook. She was really, 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 really good. Awesome. Yes. Mama Doris was unbelievable, Paul. I would not talk about her. But the truth of the matter is, I got converted to something maybe I shouldn't have gotten converted to when you really look at it. Because I can look at food and within one week I've gained 10 pounds just looking at it, okay? That's my body style and that's how it goes. So in order for me to be right and doing the right thing for me, again, there's just a more healthy way of doing it. So I need to get unconverted about the way I eat, Shelly. Come on, we're, we're trying to learn ever since we did metabolic. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Our metabolism changed somehow. <laughs> but I want you all to understand that the reckoning of this kingdom issue and becoming childlike is something maybe you haven't thought about, but it's really something you're going to have to take on 100% or you're not going to get it. So what I began to understand, and I'm only going to give you five of the 55 or 60 adjectives I have here. Yeah, I do have that many. (laughs) Is that most children, how many of you have seen children fight? Okay, let me just deal with that one. And how old are they when they're fighting? Not very old. Okay, and what do they usually fight over? This is mine. That's my truck. Okay. That's my bicycle. What are you doing in my territory? Okay, those kinds of things. But normally kids won't fight until they get maybe about two, three, maybe four years of age. Because when they're younger, they don't understand fight. So part of one of the things that we learn in training children is that children become parents, like their parents, right? They hear their parents and they repeat words the parents saying. And I was in full agreement until Paul said a word that he shouldn't have said at the CI school here. And we got called in for it. And I thought, where in the world did he hear that? (laughs) Paul, you are in trouble now. Mama is not here to represent herself. (laughs) And he's the, Shelly, he is the troublemaker, but it's funny while he's doing it, isn't it? Okay, so when you get children together, most of all, below the age of three, most of the time they're kind or nice to one another. I taught this clinical classroom, and I had two Down syndrome children. How many of you know what uh, Down syndrome is? Okay, all right. And one of them was a male, and the other one was a female, and they were about maybe five years of age. And every time they came into the classroom... They would run at each other like they totally were in love and married. 
they run across the room, throw their arms around each other, and give each other a kiss on the lips. Cutest thing you've ever seen in your life, right? Because it was something that was in their heart. It was natural for them to do that. And so I've worked with some kids even younger than three years of age. And when they're in a sand pool, I mean a sandbox or in the swimming pool or wherever they are, unless you train them or really teach them something a little bit about anger or frustration or they see it or something, then most of the time, most of them do, you know, pretty good and they're fairly loving and they understand God is love and and, you know, all of those kinds of things, except I think Isaac is ahead of the game on that issue <laughs> because he's out to rule the world around him and he's only 15 months. All right. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little child. So these adjectives that I have that explain children and the childlike perspective are this. How many of you have a good knowledge and in your tool belt kindness? Kindness, being nice, not being rude, not, Alicia has a story we can tell, she was in her wonderful, beautiful Sunday dress, and we had gone out and gotten her some nice clothes, but the little girl from next door got those pedophore dresses that, you know, that are starched and out to here and ruffles everywhere. And there was a mud puddle in front of our house. And so uh, we're getting ready to go to church, and Alicia goes out there. She's probably about six years of age or five. And she is so angry at this little girl because of how she looks that she pushes her into the mud. <laughs> no, Alicia would never do that, but neither would I. <laughs> Kindness, playful. Most of the time kids will share. If they think that they can trust and give away and they're going to get it back, there's that attitude that's there that's pretty uh, loving. Innocent, they're open unless you teach them to not be trusting and open by doing ugly things to them and then they begin to learn some of those kinds of things and get angry and they begin defensive and things like that. How many of you have ever seen a, a child that's joyful and it's all over them? Well, our uh, great-grandson Isaac, all he has to do is watch the beginning of a movie and what is it? It's the opening thing where they show all the the Paramount thing, and every time he sees it, it's now 55, 60 times he's watched these movies. Every time it comes on, he goes, oh, like that. So joy and excitement just comes all over him, and he's completely, no matter what the movie's about, he's excited about the Paramount original things that come on as the movie is getting displayed. So part of our shift in order to become childlike is to begin to take on some of these adjectives that truly are what children are like and to begin to view one another and begin to see one another and act toward one another with some of these perspectives. And we don't have to act defensive and we don't have to act angry and we don't have to act protective and we don't have to act untrusting or any of these other kinds of things because I wrote down some, some attitudes that are not kingdom attitudes. So rudeness is one of them. All right. Independent and not giving. How about uh, mean-hearted? How about a sadness or heaviness or hopelessness or, or uh, frightened or fearful? Or controlling. 
And I know that we've seen kids do these kinds of things. I mean, they do do it. But the truth of the matter is, if you train them and they are in a place where they're loved, then they, they learn how to rise up with that kind of attitude and spirit. Amen? So here's the scripture saying that unless you be converted and you become kind and you become playful and you become innocent and open and perhaps joyful, how about accepting or excited? How about fun? How about smiling? Some of these adjectives really put us to a test as adults, right? So if we take this scripture as a truth, and again, I'm going to let Apostles Tom and Jane bring the full counsel of wisdom on it. But I want to share with you tonight that it's true enough that it means that unless you 100% become converted and become like a little child, you're not going to get into the kingdom. Now, I began to examine what the kingdom was. And when we talk about the kingdom, what are we talking about? We're talking about perhaps something that is spirit-directed. Maybe it's not flesh and blood because I have another scripture that says that flesh and blood will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. This particular book that I was sharing with them a little bit earlier, Heaven Awaits the Bride, in there is a particular story that they talk about called sandcastles. And this particular section in heaven she's in, she's seated in a section of heaven that has a huge coastline and nothing but sand and no water. And there's lots of people who've been out there playing and there's sand buckets and there's tools to get the sand inside of the bucket. And so she's out there with an angel and she's putting sand into the bucket. And as the angel is talking to her, the angel begins to share with her, do you realize the reason, because the lady asks, why are we doing this with the sand and what are we doing here and all that kind of stuff. And the angel begins to share with her, I brought you to this place because when you were on earth and you wanted a house and you wanted so much money in your savings account and you wanted this and you wanted that and you wanted that it was of your earthly fleshly desire and even though I blessed you with it to train you and to teach you and to get you to see that it wasn't all that you know and that there were other values that I wanted to show you that mostly Christians don't have a heavenly eternal perspective the scripture actually says to put your heart toward heaven where moth and dust does not corrupt. Put your treasures up there. So we talked in the class a minute ago, when you die and go to heaven, are you going to have clothes on? No. You're going to go into heaven naked or unclothed in some form unless God clothes you, just like when you got birthed into this world. And part of this particular book that is very interesting to me is a heavenly perspective that God wants us to begin to understand that he has eternal values and an eternal purpose and he has a kingdom of heaven and if we're going to get it now in order for that to happen there has to be a conversion and a complete changing of our mindset but once we begin to do that what is the kingdom going to look like and I want to tell you that what I've been discovering and learning mostly about the kingdom has to do with Christian International and VCCI. And so I've been here for a period of time and I've seen and known and uh, experienced a lot of people, people who have been in relationship and friendly and all of that. But the bottom line to it is this. 
I have found the more I've got to know those of you that come to this church, I see Jesus in you. And when I begin to see Jesus in you, do you know that I find out something about Jesus I never knew? Because your perspective about Jesus and the way you view Jesus and the way you act about Jesus is totally different than the way Bill Lackey or Prophet Bill does it. And so I begin to see, as it were, maybe even the facets of a jewel, turning it from perspective to perspective, and I begin to see things that maybe I had not seen before. And then what I began to discover was perhaps the kingdom isn't a building. Perhaps the kingdom is not an event. Perhaps the kingdom is not something I'm going to do. Perhaps the kingdom has to do with something that's spirit-directed and maybe unseen, especially unless I get converted and have a childlike perspective toward it. And what I began to discover is that the kingdom probably is you. And that as we join hand in hand and heart to heart, we begin to form the kingdom. And that as we really do that, I don't mean talk about doing it. I mean get 100% converted. You've heard lay your life down, right? How many of you have made sacrifice to be here? Come on. How many of you have made a financial sacrifice? How many of you have made a relational sacrifice? Do you know how long it took us for Paul? Paul is in the back. I can tell another story on my son. Do you know how long it took for him to quit saying, I have no grandparents here? Everybody here has got grandparents and I have nobody. Well, we finally had a come to meet in Jesus wonderful time with Bishop Hammond and several of the leaders of Christian International. And Bishop Hammond asked my son, why was this event happening and what happened in your life and all of that kind of stuff. And he said, well, I just don't have any family here. And you know what Bishop Hammond's response was? I'll be your papa. You can come down to my house anytime and I'll be your granddaddy. Isn't that wonderful? So as I began to discover the value of family, because for a long time we didn't have a chance to go back to Austin uh, to see our family, not because we couldn't maybe have done it, but how many of you know sometimes the money goes a whole lot better somewhere else? And when you live far away, that there's an expense and you just kind of make that choice, right? And so I began to put my mind and heart around the fact that y'all were my family. Except that I wanted to say, that person is on my last nerve. (laughs) And I don't know if I can handle this God. (laughs) My wife used to say, I've got the slap anointing. If they get close to me, I'll know. Of course, those are those private conversations you don't ever tell anybody about. Here's what I want to help you to understand that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying to us. That if we become childlike, do you know that along with that you're going to take down your walls? That you're trusting and open and you're willing to go wherever you need to go and connect and have fun and play and swing and play baseball or whatever it is that's going on and you're going to be a part of the team, right? So I did learn what team means. Together, each accomplishes more. That's what team means. 
and that as an individual, I cannot accomplish what needs to be accomplished, but if I can help form team and support team and love team, then the team itself can begin to do the things that God has called and placed within the midst of my life. So it's not necessarily me doing everything, but it's me helping everyone to be a part of everything and to get connected and to begin to join hands to hands and hearts to heart. Now, how many of you got weary and tired of doing some of this and you want to, like in First Corinthians 5.50, you're kind of saying to yourself, I would like to have a little bit of flesh, 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 blood, blood, blood. I want some natural things that I can see in front of me. But according to the scripture, it says that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom or inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven might be spirit-directed. And how many of you know all of us have a spirit? How many of you know we all have a soul? And that part of connecting one to another is to connect to one another in the personality realm because your personality may be different than my personality. And we've done a lot of the personality testing and we've learned certain personalities don't get along with other personalities or at least they have a low quotient of getting along with other personalities. So the bottom line to it is there are conflicts, say conflict. But when we get converted, we put an end to what? All conflict. Because if I've ever learned anything really, really, very, 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 very well, and that is Apostle Tom is Mr. Harmony. (laughs) And I like that. I love that, actually. I'm so glad that God put me in a family and he began to train me in the areas of ministry and caused me to really connect from the heart and from, from all the work that we were doing. And by doing that, I believe I'm seeing the kingdom. And so I see the kingdom in the worship team. I see the kingdom in the counseling team. I see the kingdom in uh, the deacon and the ushers and the people who serve and do the helps within the midst of the church. I see the kingdom in those of you who come and you're a part of the church and, and you bless and you call and you encourage and you send things that lift us up and you uh, make phone calls and give us compliments. I got a compliment very early on tonight uh, by this lovely couple over here and he was sharing with me that every change point of their life that they got a prophetic word and it was just spot on and right on and it did in their life what it needed to do because it began to direct them where they needed to be. Now, if it's true that in order for us to really see the kingdom, we've got to become childlike, then how many of you know that may mean you have to get rid of your adult-like thinking permanently? I didn't say become childish. I'm actually titling this particular teaching to become childlike, not childish. We're going to become childlike, which really means not defensive, not, not necessarily irritable. You know, most, most kids you will find are not, as, as a rule, rude and difficult and hard to deal with unless they've had situations that have happened to them that have made them that way. Amen? So in accepting that God wants to change our thinking, I want to submit to those of you who are here tonight that God is going to do a radical thing in your life. Say radical. Radical. It may not be your personality, but I'm going to do something radical. Say radical. And I'm going to get converted. And I'm going to start becoming childlike. I'm going to join hand in hand. 
and heart to heart and love and respect and value all the people that God connects me to. Just say, I'm going to connect. <laughs> now, one of the things that I learned, and it's still kind of hard for those of us around here at CI, we get a little bit busy and it's not as easy for us to fellowship. But Ashley was telling me, and, and we went through a season of time where we did this, but every Friday night, I think it was every six weeks or something like that, we would go out to dinner, all of us after prophetic teams, and we would eat and fellowship and have fun and laugh. And people commented on that was just the best time that they'd ever had, and they really enjoyed it. So how many of you know someone in this room probably needs you? Is that true? And maybe even tonight they need you. Okay, so before I finish and turn the service back to Apostles Tom and Jane, in a, in a moment, I would like for us to break up and begin to join hands with one another. And I would like for us to begin to share what you see in that individual that is the kingdom. What is it in them that is Jesus? What qualities, what values, what calling, what gifting? Isn't that what prophecy is? Because you're looking by the Spirit and you're seeing by the Spirit and you're recognizing those spiritual things. Is that correct? Now, I, I really wrestled with a statement that's been said a lot. And that is that sometimes people are so spiritual minded they're no earthly good. Do you know that's not possible? It's the same, the same truth is true that some people are so intelligent they're stupid. It's not possible. Truly intelligent people are not social misfits. They understand what the social issues are. Now, if they choose not to be social, that's another thing. But the bottom line to it is we need to become spiritually minded and directed by the Spirit and begin to be converted to be able to see like a little child so that we can connect like little children that are on a playground or in a sandbox or learning how to play and learning how to have fun. Now, I don't know how about you guys, but I grew up in a time in Austin, Texas, where at our, in our neighborhood there was 30 to 50 kids in the street. So you have to understand at all times we had something going. And for sure it was dodgeball, or on top of that it was kickball, or sometimes it was statue. Do you all know the game statue? Where you swing each other around and then you freeze in the position that you land in. Come on. And my childhood is full of stories and experiences like that that were really very happy except for one bully. And guess where the bully lived? He was a sixth grader and I was a first grader and he lived next door to me. And I had to go to school every day walking the same streets as this bully that would not leave me alone. So guess what I got counsel eventually from everybody in my family? Well, if you'll smack him one, he'll leave you alone. Well, it was all right until I was playing with all my friends in the neighborhood and they were playing statue and someone swung me around and I, and I rolled and hit my head in a tree and started crying. And my girlfriend, who was also in the neighborhood, saw me cry and he made me mad. So guess what happened to me as a six or seven year old? I jumped up and ran toward this sixth grader and put my head down kind of like a bully, uh, a battering ram. And I hit him in the stomach and knocked him in the street. He was twice as big as me. I jumped on top of him and I started beating his head against the ground like that. That was me. 
And my father, who was a lieutenant colonel, comes down there and says, if you're going to fight, I'm going to take you to the Y and show you really how to fight with boxing gloves. Because he was French, and we're going to do things proper. You're not going to be a street person and be rude and, and all these other kinds of things. But here's what I want to say to you, and that is this. <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> do we want him to help us? <laughs> Well, I'm telling you that Apostle Tom and Jane have certainly helped me to understand, I think, a lot of the things that I teach and preach. When I'm out on the road, I say, oh, my gosh, that's Apostle Tom. I've heard that. If I've heard it once, I've heard it 15 times or 20 times. And it's not that we know them completely, but I think we know them fairly well so that my wife and I can pretty well predict or see how things are going to go and how things are going to be. How many of you know if you dwell with one another with, with some wisdom and harmony everything goes better come on how many of you know that if you greet somebody before you walk out of the room maybe five somebodies and give them a hug and kind of connect to them instead of just coming in and leaving immediately that it begins to build the kingdom how many of you know when you have people over to dinner or invite them out to dinner or kind of do something that's fun besides the family then it begins to cause walls to come down and people begin to get to know you and you start relating to one another so part of the healthy part of becoming childlike is realizing that you're needy. Whether you realize that or not, we need one another. And the more we enter into the end times, we're going to have to understand that we really do need one another. And what the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to do through this passage of Scripture and tonight, and of course the prophet in me wants to say, now and permanently, and all of you really say yes and answer the Lord, right? Because I'm a prophet, right? So tonight I want to give you the opportunity, maybe in a more pastoral, harmonious, loving way, and say, if you do this, you're going to have a lot of benefits. Because when you get into the kingdom, you have no idea what heaven is like on earth. And heaven on earth, whether you think it's going to happen only when you get to heaven, and when I'm in heaven, I'm going to begin to relate to one another. I'm going to be able to have telepathic thought. I don't have to talk. I can just know what you're thinking and saying, and I'm going to float from one place to another. No matter what your view of heaven is, I'm trying to tell you what are you waiting on. It's something that the Holy Spirit wants to release now through all of us, and it's a choice. Amen? And that part of it is really letting go of this. And you know when you're adult-like, you're stiff and you're arrogant and you're prideful and I don't really need anybody and I'm self-sufficient and I can take care of this. Thank you very much. Well, that's not kingdom. So I think God wants to shift and convert something. And I would like to invite you to maybe join me again at one more level to convert to something that really is the Lord. And our apostles do a great job of this, and that is we need to get along with everyone, even if you don't like them. And if you don't like them especially. Sometimes I've found some of the best friends or the people I like the most are the ones that initially I didn't like. Right? Because we don't need to form judgments, right? Okay, so would you join me and let's just raise our hands for the Holy Spirit to convert us to a simple, childlike way of looking at things and not getting so complicated. 
Sin is complicated. The kingdom is not. Amen. So, Lord, I release this childlike anointing that is going to release your heavenly purpose here on earth. Lord, I think we've had an experience of this with Mom Hammond dying and with others going and passing on. That heaven is not all that far away from us. I've kind of thought sometimes, Lord, it's like the sixth dimension. It could be the sixth dimension and just right around us. And that's what that new movie is about, Lord. I just release your anointing to these people to convert to a childlike thinking instead of being adult-like and forming judgments and being worrisome and fearful and controlling and all these other things that the walls will come down and that you will do in us like just children on the playground and let us have fun. Let us enjoy this, God, (laughs) because we're going to be with each other for a long, long time. So in the name of Jesus, if you'll join with me, in the name of Jesus, repeat after me. I convert to childlike thinking as the Holy Spirit guides me. I'm going to shut down the independent adult thinking and where I have withdrawn and protected. I'm going to let my walls come down. And every Sunday, I'm going to find five new people that I don't know and I'm going to hug them and I'm going to get to know them so in Jesus name the kingdom's not going to pass me by and I'm going to inherit the kingdom and I'm going to enter into the kingdom and the benefits of heaven are going to be released to me on earth in Jesus mighty name